Hey folks, you're very welcome back to another episode of the Meditations on Movement podcast. Today, uh, we're going to be going in depth, or at least in depth as we can within sort of the time frame of this episode. Uh, we're going to go in depth into breathing, basically. Um, for me, this has been a really important or an interesting area of research over the last uh, few months. Obviously, it spans back further, but I'd say that I've kind of looked more closely at things um, over the last few weeks or a month or so. Um, the intent with this really is not to just go into everything with breath or breathing, breath work, whatever may we want to describe it um, in this episode, but we will uh, go into a little bit more of the kind of concrete things that we know about breathing and hopefully that will give you an idea of where we will go in future episodes um, and I want to kind of tie it into even the episode that I was talking about uh, last week or some of the things that I was talking about in last week's episode. Um, so to give you a bit of an introduction, for me anyway, um, I think like most people, when you hear about breath work, you kind of just assume that most people can breathe properly. You know, uh, we don't really question too much uh, whether we're kind of breathing correctly or how much oxygen we're taking in, unless we have sort of a uh, an issue with breathing, something like asthma or something like that, where we would kind of say, okay, there's got to be something there. But I think for the vast majority of people, we kind of just push it off to some degree. We maybe put it down to our level of fitness rather than the actual specific mechanical nature um, uh, that is breathing, okay? Um I actually had asthma when I was younger, uh, but I remember specifically being told by my mom that, uh, you know, my breathing was really heavy, especially when I was sleeping and stuff like that. I imagine it's something that actually a lot of uh, children and babies and stuff like that actually do uh, experience when they're younger, but mine seemed to clear up. I didn't, I think I I could have been using inhalers. I'm not, I'm not actually uh, quite sure, uh, but I don't think I needed to use them for any sort of extended period into when I was sort of... Uh, you know, uh, playing lots of sports and running around a bit, I think that's potentially what cleared it up for me, which is very interesting, obviously. Um, I played a lot of field sports as well when I was younger. So I think that, you know, as you're sort of a kid, you're running about, you're playing, you're doing all these different things where you're moving about the body and, and breathing is being affected. But that kind of continued into what would have been sort of uh, later years into my teens and stuff like that when I, I just, I, I suppose it's interesting thinking back on it, you're suddenly so grateful for uh, what you have done in your past because you realize how much of a base it's given you. And for me in particular, it's it's given me such a good cardiovascular base. Um, you know, I've been in, in various lab testing and done like VO2 max tests, which is a way of kind of assessing a level of fitness and achieved a very high score. And I kind of put that down to obviously the, the sports that I played. I'd never specifically focused, you know, on running uh, per se. So that's been sort of my base for a very young age. And I think that leads into, I suppose, what would have been my viewpoints about breathing, where I just wouldn't have seen it as a very um, important area or wouldn't have put too much weight towards it. Um, and this leads me then obviously to um, how I've now been pulled into breath work uh, more in depth over the last little while. Um, for me, it's been as a result of the more meditative practices that I've been involved in for say the past year and a half, obviously with the school, maybe a little bit beforehand, I was sort of 
pushing myself towards that direction. I've dipped my toe in and out of different meditative practices then prior to that period, but I'd say the more in-depth stuff, obviously everything to do with the uh, the movement school that I've just finished up with. Um, so I, I, I would have always sort of seen the more performance and physiological side uh, of of breathing and, and, and what it sort of uh, would give you um, and considering I was doing all of those different things, it maybe just didn't spark me. The same way I've kind of thought back to what would have been my injuries over the past uh, few years, I didn't find myself really going in-depth into those things until I had to deal with it really myself, um, spending a lot of time and really getting a grasp of what's going on. Um, so so that, that's sort of where I've been coming from over the past few years, definitely when it comes to, to breathing and breath work. So uh now that i've been um involved in the more meditative practice side of things it it definitely sparked me to to look into things a little bit more and especially given the framework that i talked about last week this idea of psyche soma and soul we can certainly see how breath work will really um spread out into all of these different areas um, the the impact that say various bits of breath work um, we maybe think about it in some more of the traditional practices uh, how much of an impact they can have kind of on our awareness and and that kind of bridge between psyche and spirituality um, but then just in terms of the body itself there's obviously something going on in a more physiological or biochemical perspective um, and those are the things that maybe sort of ground us in our understanding of breath work um, and hopefully where we're going to go a little bit today with the the episode giving us that grounding as well. So um, the, the way I feel with this work is um, obviously I've been doing the practical side of things and I can't uh, I can't point out how important it is that you get an idea of something from the more practical level, not necessarily first, but at some point. Um, it's very often the case where we go into something and, and try to get a more theoretical understanding, which is obviously important. But until we sort of practically embody some of these things, I've talked about this concept before, uh, where we really have to get an experiential feel for something until we realize its weight. You know, we can, we can sit back and we can look at all the research and we can look at all these various things that are happening with breath work, but we're just not going to be sort of... Um, stimulated by them enthralled by them really encapsulated by them until we go and do the work ourselves and see what that change really is to to us internally uh, so that's something i'd really point out uh, off the back end of this um, and something you know this definitely leads into obviously stuff that i intend to do with the online community and with my students going forward <clears throat> whether that be online or, or in person is looking at these various things these the actual practices themselves but also then giving sort of the background stuff so that we can we can have a nice entryway into this work uh, i think that's what uh kind of leads us towards what would be sort of the um the, the only way i can think of is is like the the woo woo nature of some of the of of breath work strategies or or breath work in general uh certainly it may be associated with more of the kind of mysticism and spirituality where um I can understand when people see that stuff first, they might roll their eyes um, and they might 
just see it as like, right, it, you've just thrown me so, so deep into some, into some line of work and you haven't really given me a, a, a base to, to view this from an understanding of what's actually going on more scientifically, which is something that we certainly want to, to see uh, with any any practice really is we want to see some scientific grounding. But then I suppose we also have to recognize that just because there's no scientific data present doesn't mean that there can't be value in something. Um, and potentially it's a case where it's just an early field. And that's certainly what you find a lot of breath work is. Um, we, can, we can look at things and we can find sort of a, which I'm going to give you in a second, more of a... Uh, physiological aspect or the the biochemical aspect of what's going on here um we we certainly shouldn't uh diminish what could possibly be like you know uh knowledge that's been passed down from generation to generation through practical means and that holds some value for sure um, and just we don't want to snuff at it and just say oh yeah like that's that's useless or something there's clearly some value there um it's just i feel that entry point for us really should be the kind of basic what we know scientifically what we know maybe mechanically what's going on to then give us a basis for how these uh, perspectives or these opinions about breath work maybe developed and evolved over time um i just want to make sure i'm kind of covering things i have notes of like what i want to go through here for this episode um, and i think i've covered everything i've sort of intended on with that little brief introduction um yeah, and certainly, as I said there, with more the kind of older traditions of breathing, I certainly wouldn't say I'm I'm uh, saying that they're they're bad or they're useless. It's certainly something that I am in the process now of looking at some of these traditions, looking at the practices and everything like that, and looking to 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 discover what where the value is and, and how they came about. It, you know, um, I I often think this it, as an interesting thing where you know we obviously live in a culture where. Uh, Science is such a, a, a highly regarded thing. The rational mind as well is such a highly regarded aspect of, of, of Western culture. So where are we potentially uh, rolling our eyes or not seeing the value in something that has been just passed down from generation to generation that would be seen as sort of ancient, ancient knowledge? Um, like I think of, say, like the uh vast libraries and documents over the years that would have been burned and and thrown out when uh villages were raided and and uh various wars were going on and stuff like that where knowledge was just lost for eternity that could have been built up over many many years from tradition to to tradition where there's clearly some value you know where, where we identify trends and that was early forms of scientific data you could argue in some way where there was a there was something happening, whether it was internal or external. Uh, something was happening. They were following a line of thought. Maybe it wouldn't be as rigorous as we have sort of science today, but there's potentially things that that could have been lost, ways and means of going about breath work or, or various other things. Um, so we certainly want to keep an open mind to these things, but then we have this sort of backing of the the, the early research or the, the basic research that we have on sort of breath work to as I say, ground us going forward. Um, so what I want to cover, um, more specifically than in terms of breathing, just for today, and this is to give you a little bit of an insight into uh, where I'm going with sort of the educational material that I'm going to be giving towards my to, to my students. Uh, the plan is to give this as integrative stuff that 
goes in line with say some of the training protocols that we're doing as i said i want the practical knowledge to be there um the the practical means by which we sort of play around with these various things um actively doing something but understanding the theory behind it so kind of the blend of those two together um into sort of the the training sessions that we play around with um or the the physical practice that we do um so what i want to give you today then is sorry back to what i was saying there about that how that will sort of work is the the educational content will be given the practical work um, and in some way this episode is to give you just a little bit of an insight into the um way in which we might go about it there'll be there'll be sort of more in-depth videos this podcast is obviously a lot more uh how would you say it um what would be the term a lot more relaxed um, of an environment, whereas I want certainly the videos to be uh, very, very direct and dense in terms of the information that's being put across. Um, you know, this is something that you could play in while you're training. This is something that you could play while you're doing a bit of housework or something like that, whereas clearly um, educational material of the type that I'm going to be giving across to my students needs to be the type of stuff they need to pay attention in that that format you know lots of visuals uh, lots of explanations more in depth um and so, so that we're really soaking up as much of it as possible giving our full attention in some way i can completely understand why someone might not be giving their full attention to this right now um so that's really the the way in which we're so i'm planning on giving it um, and teaching it uh so that it's it's in there with the practice but then it would potentially be available as something as kind of a an aside to the physical practice that we're doing not just the training session itself, but additional material that can go and you can learn um, and access yourself through like kind of like a, a library format. So um, considering we're looking at what we know sort of scientifically and physiologically uh, first as our focus, we are going to look first at what would be considered like the, the, the structure of the lungs and the actual mechanics of breathing. So if we think of the actual physiology then, we obviously have uh, our lungs and then we have the entranceways into the lungs. So we have the uh, nasal passages, which is a really, really important part of what of breathing. It has some various things that it does, something I'll actually cover in a future episode. I don't really want, really want to go into it today just because of the actual importance of it. Um, I want to treat it as sort of a separate manner. But basically, we have our two entranceways of either the mouth or the nasal passages, and they lead to what is the trachea which kind of sits side by side with the esophagus esophagus food and water trachea is going to be how we take in air okay and um, we then have sort of like a tree-like structure in terms of the way they split uh, trachea goes down and splits into the two sides um, of the lungs if you've ever seen a diagram of the lungs those two kind of um uh to, you'll see there's two main uh, bits to it and you have basically the bronchioles that sort of split into it and they go down into kind of secondary tertiary uh, bronchioles kind of like uh, branches of a tree and um, they get kind of smaller and smaller branching out and then they go into what are called the alveoli um, and these are kind of uh, sac-like structures uh, they just kind of increase what would be the surface area um, so that all the capillaries can get in nice and close and you can see that exchange of gas that needs to happen uh, while we're breathing. Uh, mechanically then, how we sort of actually draw the air in and out is down to 
pressure changes and the pressure changes come by uh, contraction and relaxation of various different muscles uh, the main ones being the diaphragm and then you have kind of the intercostals of the ribs so you can kind of think of the ribs as like that forward and backward uh, motion we can all kind of think if we pl place our hand on our chest we take a breath in we can feel that kind of pushing outward um, of the ribs and basically that's what the intercostals are doing they are contracting in order to sort of open up the ribs and, and expand and take air in along with the diaphragm which kind of sits like a dome-like structure and um, if you were to kind of uh, chop yourself in half you would see the diaphragm kind of going across the body and as I said sort of a dome-like structure like an igloo uh, when it contracts it kind of uh, presses down and then when it relaxes it pushes back up so this leads to kind of that pressure change that we're seeing um, when we inhale and we exhale. We can think as we inhale, we can see what would be the diaphragm kind of contracting down and flattening. So turning from kind of an igloo shape and then flattening down. And if you imagine what's happening from a pressure perspective, uh, if we think of what's happening, it's that air is being drawn in by that contraction. You have like a the, the opening of what would be the mouth and the nasal passages and air will be drawn in as we contract the diaphragm and that sort of flattens down the pressuring is is drawing air in that pressure change uh, the same to do with the intercostals they're expanding so it's kind of like a, a almost like a full 360 degree expansion where the, tr the change in pressure means that air is going to be drawn into the chest cavity cavity and into the lungs it's going to fill up the the bronchioles the alveoli and you're going to get lots of air in and then you'll see that relaxation where everything sort of compresses back in and you'll see air the pressure change again causes air to actually be pushed out okay so that's an important thing to sort of understand then when it comes to the mechanics of breathing and to kind of um go about what is okay we, once we get an understanding of that once again we can kind of get a better basis of okay if we have say uh what would be considered like a dysfunctional breathing, you know, issues with our breathing, we can understand how if we have issues to do with, say, the diaphragm or the ribs, we're going to find it hard to draw air in, okay? So you're going to find issues with, uh, say, if there's an inability to uh, relax the diaphragm or even contract it in some way, your breathing is going to be impaired, you're not going to be inhaling as and getting as much oxygen into the body, and there's various ways in which we can sort of uh, train the body or get better at doing that if that is the issue of course you know i would say certainly there's going to be some value in most people having a go at it but but if you're someone who is say uh not got issues around the sort of physiology there though those uh, specifically to do with say like the actual uh, mechanics of breathing then it's it's maybe not going to give you as much value because you've already got it kind of installed within the body uh, so so certainly consider that as as uh, uh, something going forward while it might seem obvious or while it might seem not relevant to you you can understand its relevancy across the board if someone does have issues uh with those 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 things i just covered there in terms of the mechanics of breathing the lungs uh the the diaphragm more specifically excuse me and and the intercostals um from a biochemical standpoint this is another important area that i want to cover so we've kind of discussed there what is like the structure of the the lungs the mechanics of breathing how we're actually drawing that air in so what's actually going on 
with the air that that is being brought in during the inhalation and exhalation process, uh, what's going on biochemically that in terms of the transfer and gas exchange that's going on. So we'd, we would have heard this before probably, where we're told that we inhale CO, uh, we inhale O2, excuse me, or oxygen, um, and we exhale CO2 or carbon dioxide, okay? Probably most people have heard that uh, to some degree, but let's sort of look at it in more detail. Uh, what's the importance and what's the relevancy there and what's what's really happening? So um, basically we, we, under, we have to get an understanding of uh, oxygen, and is required by our respiring cells. Our cells are going about various processes um, and they require oxygen to help with uh, with those processes, basically. Um, they then give off extra carbon atoms as sort of a waste product of, of those various processes. So they're taking in oxygen and they're getting rid of excess carbon. Um, and this comes down to, I suppose, what is the the chemical formula of those two of carbon dioxide and oxygen, we've got O2 and CO2. So O2 is just kind of two um, oxygen molecule, molecules, like O2 being two of them. And then carbon dioxide is, is CO2. So it's just a carbon attached to those two, two molecules, basically. Um, so that's sort of the difference. It's just a kind of an extra carbon that is released as a result of those respiring cells in the body, okay? Um, an important thing to kind of cover here or to point out basically is that while we say we inhale O2 and we exhale CO2, it's not that, you know, we take in and extract all the oxygen from, from the air that we just inhaled. We take in some of it. We basically change what is the percentages difference um, in the air. Um, I think various le varying levels of oxygen, I can't I remember specifically, but it's somewhere in the region of sort of 16%. And um, so we're inhaling uh, that whatever percentage it is, I think it's 16 and we're exhaling out a certain percentage, a lower percentage, because we've actually taken some of it in. But basically, we've just changed about the percentage. We would have taken in a certain amount of CO2, and we're just exhaling um, and getting rid of CO2 from the body. So we just see the sort of chemical changes in our O2 and CO2 um, in our breath change, basically. Okay? Um, so in some way, we try to think of it as we don't actually utilize all the oxygen that we take in in our breath, okay? And this is an important thing to establish because we will be looking at something called the Bohr effect, which is uh, important to do with that sort of gas exchange. It's basically the, the, the way in which oxygen is released from the hemoglobin of the blood. Um, hemoglobin is where the CO2 and O2 are transported. So if we go back to the mechanism of breathing, we were talking about the, the lungs, the trachea, the bronchioles, the alveoli, we're taking in our inhalation, we're bringing in um, a certain level of oxygen um, in that inhaled air. Um, and when it gets all the way towards the alveoli, there is uh, basically, as I said, there are these kind of little sac-like structures. Uh, they have lots of capillary networks, um, you know, uh, interweaved in between them so that it's really easy for um, blood to get nice and close and for oxygen and CO2 to pass uh, the the cell walls and stuff like that. So you get this um, offloading of excess CO2 from the blood into the alveoli, and then you get that another exchange of oxygen in from the alveoli into the blood, okay? And hemoglobin basically is that little transport molecule. It attaches to the hemoglobin. Um, 
The important thing to kind of point out then with hemoglobin is that it has a higher affinity for CO2. So it's actually going to readily offload oxygen into the cells that need it. And this is a really important point because it's the, the cells need oxygen. As we said, they're doing, they're going about lots of different processes and they need oxygen as a result. So the fact that hemoglobin has a high affinity towards CO2 means that it's just going to easily offload the oxygen into the respiring cells when it's necessary, when that change uh, sort of happens, okay? Um, you might then be wondering, okay, so how, if that's the, the sort of process that's happening, um, how are we sort of monitoring this in some way? And basically what we have in the body are various different uh, chemoreceptors of the nervous, of the respiratory system, excuse me, that are going to monitor both oxygen levels and carbon dioxide levels. Uh, one way to think of the, what, what are considered chemoreceptors is um, obviously they're, they're sending signals to the brain in terms of the levels of these various things. It's kind of like a thermostat, you know, that regulates the temperature in a household. But in here, in our body, basically in the respiratory system, it is regulating what is the concentrations of carbon dioxide um, and oxygen in your blood, along with what will be like the acidity and pH levels, which are uh, kind of uh, impacting basically as well the, the breathing rate uh, as well. Okay, um, so what we would say then is when levels of carbon dioxide increase above a certain amount, you know, your brain is monitoring the levels, it's getting various information from the chemoreceptors, and it's monitoring the levels in the, in the blood, and it's seeing, okay, uh, if the uh, receptors um, notice that increase in carbon dioxide, uh, these receptors will stimulate breathing in order to get rid of the excess gas in the blood um, and basically try to bring in more oxygen, okay? So what we're saying here is that the primary stimulus to breathe is actually to, uh, to eliminate excess carbon dioxide from the body. And this is the important thing that I'm trying to kind of cover here is that it's not necessarily the um, oxygen levels that are in, uh, influencing how we breathe. It's actually our, the carbon dioxide levels in our blood that's impacting or influencing our breathing rate. Um, so we're, we're trying to offload that excess carbon dioxide um, and as a result, bring in more oxygen. Um, and you see this basically down to like what would be considered uh, the carbon dioxide sensitivity of the body. Um, some people can be very sensitive to carbon dioxide and it's almost as if it reaches a certain tolerance and the body tries to breathe in more and more whereas for others they're going to have a higher set point and it means that they can they're sort of aware that their tolerance is okay there, there's no real uh, issue um, and they're going to keep their breathing at a much lower rate so it's interesting to sort of note back to what we were saying earlier um how various practical drills are going to influence our breathing rate the, the important thing i suppose to point out with, with carbon dioxide excuse me in the blood is that um having loads of carbon dioxide isn't really going to be too detrimental um it's it's the the basic thing of the sensitivity and um, if you've uh if the body has adapted in some way to be really really sensitive to it that's where you see those massive differences in sort of breathing rate but having excess carbon uh, dioxide in the blood isn't going to be uh, too detrimental is the way to think of it. There are actually some positive impacts of carbon dioxide. It can actually uh, dilate blood vessels a little bit more and allow kind of more of a free flow of um, of, of oxygen throughout the body. 
Um, so that's what we're sort of saying here. And then when, it, when we bring it back to sort of the practical things, uh, we can see now how uh, how we breathe or the way we breathe can actually influence these subtle changes in carbon dioxide and oxygen in the blood and body. So we have what would be considered the physiological aspect of doing things to help the diaphragm function better as it contracts and relaxes along with the intercostals. Then we also have things like, say, uh, breath holds, uh, different durations of, of, say, inhalations and exhalations uh, that are also going to impact um, our body and our bloodstream um, on a chemical level. So with that introduction there of what is, as I said, the the, the physiology, the, um, the biochemistry of what's going on, we can see how these changes, and this is something I'm going to go into in a future episode. I don't want to be too sort of information heavy on this episode. Um, there's there's a lot to sort of digest there, and I can understand it's something that sort of gets me as well, is the differences in oxygen and carbon dioxide. That that can mess with us a little bit, and, and it's it's something that we have to, to uh, take our time to understand is how it's actually the carbon dioxide levels in the body that are going to influence our breathing rather than the, the oxygen levels. Um, so this this will certainly impact or will uh, lead us to future episodes going into certain things. Uh, there's, there's tons and tons of different uh, traditions, as I said, that will, you know, almost be considered more advanced material. There's no point in going into them uh sort of straight away when there's lots to be done in terms of say just uh, basic things of playing around with uh, breath holds inhalations exhalations um the, the improving what would be say the the physiological structure of of the the intercostals the diaphragm um and it's interesting as well seeing how uh you can have a certain play on what is the um response of the nervous system in terms of your breathing as well it's very very uh, well established now that you know uh, the an exhalation is associated with more of a parasympathetic uh, response from the nervous system kind of like a calming uh, effect uh, you see this uh, with I've certainly seen this in terms of say the uh, effect of breathing on uh, stretching or relaxing a muscle you will see it where um, people go into these big breath holes or their breathing becomes really, really uh, hard and heavy when they get into a position that is considered like a stretch or is uncomfortable when obviously we want sort of a relaxing uh, impact. We don't want to hold on to too much tension because we're trying to open up range of motion. So we're trying to focus on our breathing. We're trying to go for long, slow exhales. And we feel that in terms of what it does to our physiology and what it does to our nervous system. We see that sort of calming effect that happens as a result of a long and slow, uh, prolonged exhale. Whereas the idea of, say, like hyperventilating, bringing more air in a really fast manner uh, has been associated with various different things as well. It's been associated with, uh, you know, uh, hyperventilation, uh, like bringing it along, uh, say, panic attacks, just really, really aggressively increasing air intake. Um, and also with, say, various different forms, the more advanced things, obviously, that I've talked about where we're looking at different traditions like... Um, Tumo breathing, where you're really increasing the the internal heat of the body. Uh, this is something kind of uh, the Wim Hof method has been inspired by, or has taken influence from the the uh, tradition of tumo breathing. So we can see how 
this basis here now of, of having what is the mechanical structure and the biochemical structure of what's going on during breeding now pans out into, okay, well, what do these various uh, things now have a, 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 a how do they have an effect on us with say working on various lengths of inhalations exhalations breath holes uh, the structure itself um increasing what is the volume of air that we take in over a period of time or the how many breaths we take in or whether it's really shallow breathing really heavy breathing all that sort of stuff and um, so many different branches from here but at least now we have that base of what we're thinking about with breathing okay um and as I said, for, for me, this is obviously an interesting area that I'm finding myself uh, looking into a lot more. But I'm also making sure that I'm playing around with the more practical side of things too. So I'm, I'm trying out these various breeding patterns, uh, the, these various protocols, um, and seeing what they do to me. You know, I have a, a regular practice now where I do what would be considered maybe more breathwork style stuff um, and also more kind of like meditative practices too. Um, and I'm... I'm seeing these changes as well which are which are very very interesting i don't have um i don't have anything like a blood oximeter yet because i haven't been really been playing around with things where i've been trying to uh change too much the the uh oxygen and carbon dioxide levels of the blood too much you know it's, it's not necessarily for uh, for me to track just yet but maybe something i'll look into in the future when i'm playing around with more some of those specific protocols um but yeah, very, very, very interesting in terms of my own research and what I'm doing um, and something that I'm certainly looking to teach on to students, um, integrating it in, starting at a very basic level, making sure that we have these sort of various uh, protocols understood um, and then advancing into more sort of, um, you know, we, we, we've said there that idea of maybe looking at it more from the somatic perspective and looking at the body and seeing what it does and then uh, looking towards maybe the psyche and sort of integrating that in but then also the 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 soul part of it too various practices have obviously been uh you know breathing practices uh yoga um the the idea of prana as well those sort of systems they're obviously interlinked and tied within meditative practices so what is it doing there too um and, and that's where i'm hoping to go with a lot of this stuff myself so um i'll i'll see how to sort of integrate this in with the uh podcast but then obviously more specifically it's the work with my uh students where i'm going to see most of this uh kind of concrete stuff to communicate uh, where i'm going to communicate that stuff okay so hopefully this episode has been very interesting for you i know it's been uh something once again it's 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 the reason why i'm doing the podcast too is to sort of help me get a better understanding of uh these things how i'm communicating them um and just just a different way to sort of play around with some of these things for myself so i'm gonna leave it at that for today um hopefully this will maybe start like a little bit of a series on on breathing too so we've looked at some various things there um you know i, I said earlier on the uh importance of nasal breathing there's a lots of interesting stuff to that in terms of the uh the reasons why we might do it and, and history of it um so maybe a future episode and we can just we can just chip away bit by bit on some things on breathing some things that i found interesting um, or some various uh, protocols or something like that to to give you guys um, a little bit of taste of what I'm doing with my students, okay? Uh, but for the moment, thank you very much for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.